Hi, and welcome to The Unveiling. I'm Tim, one of the hosts, and along with Ajay and Mark, we are three guys discussing the one true gospel. We hope you're encouraged by this episode. Let's dive right in. Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, This is The Unveiling that you've tuned into, and we're so glad to have you back with us today. Today, we've got uh, Mark and Ajay. Uh, it's talking about the topic of eternal life. Tim's not able to be with us, although in spirit he is today. So uh, we'll look forward to next week with him being back. Uh, but today, uh, this topic of eternal life was Ajay's idea and leading. So I'm going to hand it off to him to take us away. Go for it, Ajay. Yeah. So uh, Mark, you know, like as we're discussing, you know, what we need to talk about. As Tim is not here, you know, we've been going through a series. And I believe, you know, we put a topic on hold, but I thought, you know, why don't we, you know, just uh, talk about, you know, Jesus, our life, right? You know, what is, what do we truly mean by eternal life? You know, in salvation, Jesus becomes everything to us, right? You know, we do not actually, Jesus does not, you know, save us to go to a place, but he saved us to be united with himself for him to come and live in us. And Jesus is our eternal home. So, and one of the things that, you know, our Lord Jesus Christ gives us when we are saved is his life. In fact, you know, he, I mean, he gives us life. I think it's more than that, you know, he becomes our life, you know. That's the thought, you know, I wanted to kind of uh, discuss today and draw our attention to some of the scriptures. So, Mark, you know, I want to start with this scripture and then, you know, we can. Uh... Can I interject one quick little thing that just kind of came up in my head while you were talking? Yeah. With what you said is. That a lot of people perceive Christianity, I think both believers and unbelievers, in that it's all about a ticket to heaven. I got my ticket to heaven, that's what eternal life is. And then it stops right there. But as we know, heaven's not the end of the gospel. Jesus himself is our end. He's heaven. He's eternal life. And if we stop short at just getting a ticket to heaven, it's like uh winning the lotto and just collecting the first $10. That's a great point, Mark. So yeah, I'm going to start with 1 John chapter 5 from verse 9. I'm going to read a few verses here. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is a witness of God, which he testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has a witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. I want to stop here real quick, right? So here it's talking about, hey, you know, you receive the witness of men, but here we have a greater witness, you know. God himself is witnessing about our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's saying, you know, if you don't receive his witness, basically you're calling God a liar. You know, in fact, the whole faith is about, if you distill it down, right, you know, it's about not calling God a liar. If you don't believe God, you're calling him a liar. And if you believe God, you are calling him not a liar. You know, it's as simple as that. And then this is a witness that God gave of his son. It says in verse 11, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has a son has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. You know, it cannot become any simpler than that. Sometimes, you know, when Bible explains stuff, it explains in many ways, right? In a positive way and a negative way. Here we see this, right? If you believe God, you don't make him a liar. If you don't believe God, you make him a liar. And then his testimony is, God has given us eternal life 
and this life is in his son. That means outside of his son, there is no life. And then he who has a son has life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have life. I think it's very important to understand that because we talk about life always, we talk about eternal life. Most of us think, you know, okay, it is going to a place. But what God is saying is, this life is in his son. So if you have son, you have life. Otherwise, you don't have life. Yeah, that's, uh, I love the how cut and dry that is. You know, as I look back on the, I think this is our 69th episode, isn't it? Yeah. As I look back on every one of those episode topics, tonight being eternal life, the answer is always the same, no matter what topic. It's Jesus. Yeah. That's it. He's the end. That's what makes Christianity different than every other world religion, where it's about works and believing certain creeds and believing in this person or that person who was the leader of that religion. But this is all about Jesus. It's all God. Jesus is God. He is the sole focus. And no matter what topic we ever talk about, all roads lead back to him because he is the end of everything we do, everything we seek in this life. He is, he is heaven. He's where we're trying to get to. Even though we've already entered into him through faith, we desire more of him. And I think I've mentioned this before, but the Apostle Paul, he, in, when he prays, and he prays a number of times through his epistles, but if you read every prayer, his chief part of his prayer is always that we would know Christ better. In fact, he said about his own life, after listing a whole two paragraphs of all the qualifications and great things he accomplished in his life, he said, I consider them all lost, the rubbish, rubbish in comparison to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. Christ is our life. He's our everything. And we can't say too much about him. We can't focus too much about him. That's why it's such a, so just a heinous act to turn our eyes off of him, put him on ourselves, put him on doing things and rules things to make us more self-righteous. It's just basically idol worship, you know, and I can't even stress that too strongly. And I love what you always say, Ajay, about the litmus test for when you go to visit a church. If during that message they're talking about Jesus, everything is pointed to him, you're in the right place. That's the gospel. But if it's about you and what you have to do, what you can do, and what you'll get if you do this, Get, run, don't walk, because it's not going to be a good place for you. And, you know, so I'll just leave it there. Yeah, that is so true, Mark. You know, in fact, one of the titles I had on my mind are the phrases, you know, Jesus on the sidelines. If you go to any church, you know, most of the churches, he's on the sidelines. He is not the central place. So, and it's all about, you know, what I have to do for God. And the focus is always on what we have to do or what we are not doing, totally ignoring, you know, what the Lord has done for us. I quickly want to touch on, uh, and Mark, you just said, right, you know, every of our episodes, eventually, you know, it's about Jesus, because I just wanted to give a few examples. Uh, we cannot really talk about the love of God, you know, without Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if you keep on, we keep on hearing, right, oh, yeah, it's okay, it's enough to preach the love of God. I think maybe to a certain extent, but if you say, tell someone, hey, God loves you, if he asks the question, how do I know that he loves me, then the answer is a cross, right? So... He loved you. The proof is he loved you so much he sent his only son to die on the cross. So that's how God loves you. Jesus is the answer. If you take Jesus out of the equation, 
you will never be able to convince anyone of God's love because you can say, hey, God loved you by giving you good health. You know, what if that health goes away? And even unbelievers have better health. God loved you giving you this nice car. A lot of unbelievers, devil worshippers also have a nice car. So that's not the token of God's love or not the proof of God's love. The proof of God's love is he loved you, he sent his son die for you. And the result of that work is the forgiveness of sins, you know. Yeah. He forgives us and then the result of forgiveness of sins is life. He becomes our life. And um, we can't talk about the acceptance before without talking about Lord Jesus Christ because he took away all our sins. And the other word for uh, acceptance is righteousness. You know, righteousness means, you know, God cannot find any fault with us. If God can't find a fault with me, by default, I'm accepted. So you cannot talk about acceptance without talking about the work of Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can't talk about righteousness without talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you just said, you know, you cannot talk about heaven without talking about Lord Jesus Christ. Because it says, you know, Bible says, you know, God saved us, you know, made us alive with Lord Jesus Christ and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you go to heaven and you, Jesus is not there, it's not heaven at all. So everything again ties back to our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. And you know, when you look at Paul's life and his teachings, that's the exact thing he was constantly focused on. And, and we've talked about it, but I love First Corinthians, excuse me, First Corinthians 2, because Paul tells us that he vowed to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said that when he came to preach, he didn't do it with eloquence or human wisdom. In fact, he came with fear and trembling. But he said when he preached and the message he preached came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And he already told us at the beginning of that paragraph, the message he preached was Jesus Christ and him crucified. When we focus on that, that's where the Holy Spirit is. The power of the Spirit, the demonstration of the power of the Spirit is in the cross. It's in preaching that message. It's on focusing on Christ. He's everything. He's our healing. He's our protection, our provision, and our wisdom. And, you know, you could just go on and on saying all of the things he is to us. And he's our life, which brings us back today to today's topic. Yeah. In fact, you know, Mark, you know, the reason he tells us, I believe, to focus on Christ and him crucified, right? Because every answer to a life problem, like you said, is on the cross, right? You know, the basic need of every human being is forgiveness of sins. And he became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Not only we get forgiveness of sins, we become the righteousness of God. And then even in this life, right, you know, we need healing. So, you know, Along with forgiveness, you know, Bible says, you know, he not only forgives all your sins, he heals all your diseases. Because the Bible says, you know, he took, he, became, he took our sicknesses, he took our sorrow, and by his stripes we are healed. And then if you want joy and peace, right, you know, he took our sorrow and he took our anxiety, and then he gives us peace. In fact, you know, we, there are many things, but, you know, one thing I would say is uh, the cross is where the great exchange happened, right? He takes our death and he gives us his life. He takes our sorrow, he gives us his joy. He takes our anxiety and he gives us his peace. He takes our sin and gives us his righteousness. And he takes our fear and gives us his strength. So it's like a, it's an awesome deal, right? And we get all of this for free. 
that is a great exchange. You know, many times, you know, people think, you know, they have to do something, give something to God in return for what we get on the cross. No, we just give our filthy, sinful, miserable self. And then in exchange, we get Christ himself, you know. You can't get a better bargain than that. And very similar to forgiveness that I think is one of the greatest human needs is acceptance. Yeah. In this world, when you think about we just do and do and do and try to do great things to get people to like us, to get people to think we're good, to think we're smart, to think we're good looking, um, to accept us. But what is when does God accept us? At our absolute worst. Yeah. His love for us is so great that in the midst of that, in the midst of the worst things we've ever done, while we were doing them, he sent Christ to give his life for us. While we were at our worst, he gave his best. In fact, in Romans, I'm reminded of that verse, right? So while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not that, you know, we were behaving. When we were still sinners, when we were enemies in our mind against God, you know, when we are bad-mouthing God, he died for us. You know, in fact, on the cross, people were mocking him, saying, hey, if you are the son of God, why don't you come down? We'll believe in you. And then our Lord Jesus says, you know, Father, forgive them because they do not, do not know what they're doing. So that is the kind of love, you know, Lord uh, has for us. What I, what I love about that, Ajay, when, when they say, hey, if you're the son of God, why don't you come down? He could have said to them, because I'm the son of God, I'm staying up here. Yeah, yeah. You know, that it's just exactly. powerful and just the opposite of what they said. Yeah. He was proving he was the son of God by dying on that cross and then resurrecting. So, Mark, if you're okay, I want to go to John chapter 6 quickly. Well, whether or not I'm okay is a matter of opinion, Ajay, but we'll move on <laughs> anyway, okay? So, uh, this is actually one of my favorite chapters. Uh, this is, you know, after the Lord Jesus feeds all the, I think it's the 5,000, how many ever. And then he goes to the other side. And uh, they all come searching for him. So they knew that, you know, he is a miracle worker. And then if you follow him, you get free, free food, right? So they're actually seeking him for earthly life. So when we all are born into this world, right, you know, we have this natural life and healthy earthly life. And then we need um, food to sustain. So they all went, right? So in uh, John chapter 6, verse, from verse 24, I'll read from verse 24. When the people therefore saw Jesus was not there, nor the disciples, they also got into the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you because the God the Father has a seal on him. And so here I think, you know, what he is saying is, don't seek for this earthly food that perishes, right? And don't look seek for your earthly life, you know, that is going to die, right? You know, it doesn't have the life that I want to give you. But he is saying, you know, seek the food that does not perish, for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man is able to give you. I don't know, Mark, do you have anything before we move forward here? Uh, just to say that, you know, when Jesus preached, he preached the king, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And um, everlasting life and the kingdom of heaven are definitely 
tied together. But I just love that not only is, is Jesus our life, Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. As you go through the Bible, especially the New Testament, anytime you see the term kingdom of life, a kingdom of, of God, anytime you see the term life, anytime you see the term love, anytime you see the term grace, any, you know, any of these things, you could just put Jesus' name right in there, interchange it with that word, and the meaning is identical because he is all those things. That's an awesome point, Mark. In fact, you know, the Jesus is the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes, again, you know, we think when we say kingdom, we think in terms of political kingdom, and we go into all this, right? Oh, Jesus is the king. I am, I am the king under him, and I rule people, cities, this, that, and all that. But, you know, that might be true, but Jesus is the kingdom of God. And, uh, in fact, you know, in Romans it says, you know, the kingdom of heaven is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So that is directly related to, you know, Jesus being our kingdom because the joy in the Holy Ghost is found only in being Christ. Yeah, I like the point you made about we tend to see kingdom of God as the authority and rule of God. When the kingdom of God comes, boy, all those bad people are going to be in trouble. And, you know, but that the kingdom of heaven is Jesus. And, you know, Revelation in the, in the pictures that are painted there, through John's vision, there's no sun in heaven because Christ is the light of heaven. And you had mentioned to me off the air that light and life are interchangeable throughout the book of John, that Jesus is our life and his life is the light of the world, the light of light of man, right? Something like that. Yep, yep. Yeah, in him was light and in him was life and that life became the light of man. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, going back to John 6 again, I just want to uh, touch on a couple of more things. And he said, you know, don't seek the earthly food, but seek for the food that lasts forever or endures to everlasting life and which the Son of God will give you. And then they immediately, you know, they went in this mode of, you know, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So their idea is, okay, what must I do to earn this eternal life, right? This bread that gives us eternal life. And then this is one of the, uh, I don't know what is the right term to use, but the quintessential statements of Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Again, you know, when you're believing in Christ, is actually you receive him, right? He further expounds on this, you know, you eat of me and you drink of me, right? So I am the bread from heaven. So you actually receive Christ himself as our bread. And then that bread gives us eternal life. And then in verse 30, it says, Therefore they said unto him, Again, they're saying, you know, they just are stuck on this, right? You know, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's kind of, you know, interesting to me, right? He just fed them all the 4,000 or 5,000, how many ever, and they followed him for food. And then he told them, you know, believe, if you, by believing in me, you know, you, you will receive this eternal life. And they are saying, you know, what sign will you perform? And again, they are also hinting here, hey, Moses gave us bread from heaven. Can you also do the same thing? <laughs> they are basically saying, you know, can you do the same miracle again so that, you know, we'll believe in you. So their minds are still set on this earthly food and earthly life, but Jesus, again, brings them back to, hey, you know, I'm not talking about this earthly food. I'm talking about heavenly food. And then he says, 
in verse 32, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then it says, Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And then he goes on to say, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Uh, and then this whole chapter is about, you know, hey, you know, I am the bread of life. Whatever bread that Moses gave, right? People ate of Moses' bread from heaven, the manna, and they still died. But the bread that I give you shall never die because the bread he gives us is not a midwife. And I, I love how the focus of what we're talking about tonight, it keeps pulling us right back to Jesus. Every scripture pulls us right back to him. Yeah, and I love here in John 11, most of us have, have heard the story of Lazarus, friend, the friend of Jesus, who died, and, and Jesus went. And as he went, Lazarus died. And as he came close to where Lazarus lived, his sisters ran out and told him that Lazarus had died. And Jesus said to them, he will rise again. And I believe it was Mary took it in a super spiritual way and said, well, yes, I know on the last day at the resurrection, he will, he will rise. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? He said to them. What I love about that is she's like saying, oh yeah, at the very last day, whenever that comes in a hundred years, a thousand years, 10,000 years, yes, we know we're going to rise. And he said, wait a minute, you don't have to wait till then. I am the life and I am the resurrection. I am here now. And I think that same thing is true for us. We're not just spending time on earth here waiting until we get to heaven. We've already entered into that in Christ. We have that here now. We have life in heaven. We have life in life abundantly. Uh, Jesus says, enter into life today. Our eternal life starts the moment we put our faith in Christ, that we don't have to wait as though it is some ticket at a later date to heaven. Heaven's right here now. The kingdom of heaven is near and is in us once we put our faith. We've got the spirit of Christ in us. We can experience him now, experience that life now in all areas of our life. Yeah, that is so true, Mark. Uh, I'm looking at John chapter 5, verse 24. Like you said, I know we have the present life. We are not talking about a future life. Those who have Jesus already have life. And in fact, uh, in verse 24, it says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. It's not will be raised someday, will get everlasting life. And it's and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. So for us, the judgment is over and we pass from death to life by believing in our Lord Jesus Christ. I think, you know, here it's very interesting to me, right? In life, having life is connected with being, shall not come unto judgment. Because if you think about it, right, if in the Old Testament, the whole point of the law is, they say, no, if you keep all the commandments of the law, right, you will have life. You know, in fact, in uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 5, for Moses writes about the righteousness of the law, the man who does those things shall live by them. So the whole point of the law is, you know, if you keep the law, 
you know people are not striving to keep the law just to become righteous their end goal is life so if you keep the law and you become righteous based on the law you will be rewarded life and if you don't keep the law right if you come short of the law then you will be rewarded death it says the wages of sin is death right so there is a judgment there you are judged by the law and if you kept it you get life and if you don't keep it you get death but what happened is you know according to the law we all died right if we if you are judged by the law no one can get life but now when we believed in lord jesus christ right what happens is lord jesus took our sin upon him our judgment upon him and our death upon him and then he finished death on the cross you know cross is a death of death and then the only thing left for us is resurrection life because he took away all our sins you know god raised him from the dead and now we have his life that means you know we have come out of judgment out of the judgment where we were judged and death was the result of our death and that judgment lord jesus christ took it so there is no judgment for us you know once we have life we have come to the other side of the death and then we will never go back and this whole judgment is about if you even on the last day you see in revelation chapter 20 people were judged the books were opened everyone is judged based on their works and whosoever name is not written in the book of life they were cast into hell and along with them death and hades are also cast into hell so on the final day there are two things right either you attain eternal life which is lord jesus christ or you are completely separated from christ and you are cast into this hell and with the death you eternally you remain dead or you go under death so the point is if you already have life there is no judgment for you because the whole point of judgment is to give you life with stuff So let me uh, I want to just these these aren't actually taking us in a different direction but they're just a little more scriptural undergirding here for people that that want that uh John 1:3 referring to Jesus the word of God John says through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it and i also wanted to read john 14 i think a lot of people know this one but this is just a great one it's another one again where people start to talk about life and what comes after this life as this distant thing and jesus immediately turns it right back to himself here and now i'm here and now and so john 14:1 says do not let your hearts be troubled You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, "I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." I just love the way Jesus was always great at cutting right to the heart of every issue, you know, not getting sidetracked and going on tangents as I feel like you me and Tim do a lot. <laughs> But um just brought it right. And the other thing that just jumped out is at me here 
when he said that he's going to prepare a place for us, okay? And he said, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Up until this very moment here, I've always thought of that as Jesus saying that when we die or when he comes again, he's going to take us to heaven to that place. But I just realized this is John 14, where Jesus teaches us that once he leaves, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. It's the whole, those two chapters are all about the sending of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. So when Jesus says, and if I go or prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. He doesn't mean in 30 or 40 years when you die. He means when you put your faith in him. He's taking us to be with him. He, we're where he is and he's where we are. It's our union with him. We're not waiting to heaven to get to that special place he's prepared for us. He is that special place that he's prepared for us. And we have him in the here and now through his spirit. So that just really jumped out at me because I've always seen that as an after I die kind of thing. Well, there's a mansion up there waiting for me. Well, really, he is our mansion. He is our home. Amen. That's an awesome point. In fact, Ephesians is right, you know, uh, talking about our salvation, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Even when we were, back to your point, Mark, you know, uh, even when we were dead in trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So back to your point, right, you know, when we are born again, we are made alive with Christ and we are seated in heavenly places with him. And of course, one day we will get new bodies and we'll also be physically present with him. But right now, the Bible says, you know, we are already seated in heavenly places and that heavenly place is Christ himself. Yeah, I love the past tense of that. Yeah. That, you know, even at our worst in the midst of our sin, we've been made alive with Christ. We've already been made alive. We already have eternal life because he is our eternal life and he's in us and we're in him. But we don't always understand that, or we always at least don't understand it to the degree that it's true. And in that understanding is just a miraculous world of joy and peace and strength and the Spirit. And that's really what the unveiling is about. That's what we're trying to unveil, the truth, who Jesus is and, and all that he is to us. Um, because too many of us are in the outer courts even though we've already been given access to the most inner place, the Holy of Holies, where we are encouraged to go with confidence, you know, and boldness into there. We're already there. And like our old pastor used to say, most Christians keep trying to get into a room that they're already in. We're already in eternal life. Yep, yep. I just pray that all of us would understand that. And, and as I said, Paul prays, for God to give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation, whose job it is for to help us to know God better, to know Christ, to know the Spirit, to know all that is in Him and all of Him that is in us. Uh, so, yeah, Mark, I just want to, you know, uh, just uh, talk about one other uh, little thought, and, you know, maybe, you know, we can wrap it. So when we talk about eternal life, when we talk about everlasting life, you know, people think, you know, we have this, especially we have this people who don't have Christ, those who are born into this world naturally, right? They think, you know, everlasting life is like continuing this life forever, right? The current life that we have. But 
to be honest, man, I don't know about you, but um, I'll get sick and tired of this life if I have to continue like this for eternity, right? With all the problems we have, sadness, depression, sin, sickness, and, you know, the meanness. This is not, and not having the ability to love. I think the worst problem with mankind right now is self-centeredness. We cannot really simply love others. It's always about us. And it's not a great way to live for eternity. Always worried about yourself. So that's the human life. That's the life that we received from Adam. But when Lord says eternal life, you know, he's talking about the life of Lord Jesus Christ, you know. Like you said, you know, John 1 John chapter 1, I don't know if you already read that, uh, Mark, but... Uh, you can repeat it. It says, Jesus is eternal life. So we are talking about this uh, new kind of life, for lack of better words, you know, not the existing life that is so miserable. Because the darker it gets, the worse it becomes, you know. If you actually, I think right now, because of God's grace, we are not seeing the entire misery of what our life could be. But once the Holy Spirit is removed from this world, and there is no limit to how low and how miserable this current life can get, you know, this depression and all kinds of, you know, dark thoughts, evil thoughts, there's no limit to that, to how dark you can, this life can get, you know, it's like you can see death in all its glory. But, you know, that's not the eternal life or everlasting life God gave us. You know, God gave Jesus so that we can have this new life. In fact, you know, John chapter 10, 10, it's easy to remember. It says the thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So Lord Jesus Christ came to give us this life, this abundant life. That is a different life. You know, we actually exchange our human life for the life of Christ. That is totally different, right? Life full of love, life full of righteousness, life full of joy, peace. And uh, there is no limit to the uh, excitement in that life. In fact, I don't even think we'll get, we'll never get bored, I can say, you know, by God's grace. So that is a kind of life. And then we'll have these resurrected bodies that will never fall sick and they're never afraid of heights or whatnot. And never, and we have these souls that are never jealous. They're never self-seeking. You're always full of love. So that is a kind of life that our Lord Jesus Christ has. So we all will be like Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he already showed us, you know, what his kind of life is. He laid down his life for us. For a sinner, he laid down his life. And he said, it is his joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So that kind of life, you know, we get. And that life we only have by being in Christ Jesus, right? By sharing his life. God actually gives us the privilege of sharing the life of his son by close union and fellowship with him. What a, what a privilege. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So since I am taking uh, kind of Tim's filling his shoes here as the moderator, I'm also going to fill his shoes at the guy who worries about how long we go. <laughs> and I think we're going to wrap it up here, and I'm going to ask you, IJ, and I'll give one our, our concluding remarks, our summary of everything we've talked to, talked about today. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to summarize the gospel. The Bible says, you know, we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we all died because of our sins. And then Lord Jesus Christ took our sin on the cross. And he takes our death, and in exchange, he gives us a resurrection life. You know, the life we get is not the human life. Of course, you know, Jesus' life was incorruptible. But the life we get is a resurrection life. The life that brought Jesus out of the grave, 
that life we have. So I would say, you know, like you've been saying that, you know, I pray the same prayer for all of us, you know, that we may know Christ, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And in Ephesians chapter one, the prayer is that, you know, he prays that we may know the power of his resurrection. So I pray that, you know, we all live in his resurrection power more and more. I agree on that prayer. I would say that no matter what the question is in our lives, the answer is Jesus. No matter what the problem, the answer is Jesus. Jesus is eternal life. Jesus is heaven. The absence of Jesus is hell. And that's why I believe what you just said, as this world departs from God in this country, he has been pulling, you know, back away from God. It just gets more and more like hell. We're going to keep reaching new depths of darkness, new depths of just destruction. And so I just say to everybody out there, turn to Jesus. He is our eternal life. He's our light. He's heaven. He's everything our hearts have ever yearned for in one person, whether we know it or not. Amen. So we'd like to thank you for being with us today on the unveiling. And as always, just want to encourage you, don't take our word for it. Get into Scripture. It's just a wonderful treasure, a window into Christ and a window into you. And, and find out for yourself whether the things we are saying are true. So have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you next uh, next Sunday. Tim again. Thanks for listening today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. If so, we encourage you to subscribe and share our podcast with your friends and family. Our entire catalog of episodes can be found on our website at www.theunveiledgospel.com or you can listen and subscribe on most popular podcast apps. If you have any feedback or questions, you can send us an email to theunveiledgospel at yahoo.com. You can reach out to us on our Facebook page, The Unveiling Podcast, or you can leave a question or comment on our listener line at 352-398-0089. Maybe you'll hear yourself on a future episode. That's it for today. As always, God bless, and we will talk to you the next time.